Hi everyone and welcome to Anesthesia Coffee Break. And today we're gonna to go through a couple of things. We're gonna go through Venus admixture and we're gonna go through a performance tip and we'll get right into it after this. Welcome back, my name is Lahiru. And I'm Stan. And today we're gonna to get into some really interesting, fun first part teaching. Now, firstly, Stan, you wanted to mention, give a shout out to people, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, it's really exciting, Lars. So uh, since we last had a chat, we've had, we've doubled, we've doubled our Patreons. Nice one. From two to four. So that's a massive, that's a massive achievement. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's small achievements, right? Like it's, it's, it's really not big, but I'm but it's so what we happy talk about, about that. <laughs> absolutely. It's what we talk about. It's, it's these little incremental gains mm. and that we always, you know, moving forward steps moving forward so we've yeah. got uh, scotty g so we just need a couple of shout outs to our patrons so scotty g uh peyton d amir hussein and rebecca and and look they just joined this month but i'm, I'm very excited to share with you our earnings from last month <laughs> so this is uh for the month of uh august okay mm -hmm. we, we've earned we've earned three dollars 36 cents which is look it doesn't sound much but it is a start. <laughs> That's right. And this is, and, and all of this is going off to fund the fellow. And it's mm. really exciting. And, and I think we had a chat about this and we're going to set a goal for ourselves. Mm -hmm. When we reach $100, we'll be podcasting and YouTubing this live in the way that we're going to donate all that money to fund the fellow. So yeah. fund the fellow is really good, um, which, ANSCA, which ANSCA supports. So they support the World Federation of Societies of Anesthesiologists Global Fellowship Program. And what they do is they support um, anesthetists or anesthesiologists, as they're known outside Australia and UK, uh, for low cost, high quality training in Africa, Asia, Europe, and Latin America. And the reason why we've gone for $100 is that um, at $100 per month, we can support a fellow's education, travel, and accommodation for that, for that full month. And it, that is an amazing uh thing to do to know that you're making a difference in someone's lives across that's really, the world that's really exciting and it'll all be built up from people who enjoy learning first part stuff and enjoy giving back to the world because that's australia right. is a great place to live not everyone gets that luck and that privilege so yeah we'll make a difference one one patreon at a time fantastic all right so <laughs> la um we're going to be talking about venus admixture but before that <laughs> what's your performance tip that you want to share Yes, I've got to give this credit. So I've got to credit this performance tip to Patsy Tremaine. Now, Patsy Tremaine is a performance psychologist. So she's actually, uh, you know, got so many accolades um, in terms of everything she's done in the sporting arena with um, sports psychology, but now also into medical training. Um, so she's helped a lot of people get through the through their exam because you know the exam and often Stan, you, you know, you'll do these comparisons about the way we do exams and study with sports. And yeah, she's really kind of merged into this field where she'll try to go through and train people doing their first part and second part of the exam and all the specialties, but she's definitely helped a lot of anesthetists. Now, I've, um, I've actually started reading her book, which is a book about you know, acing your medical exams. And I'll put the link there below as well, like an affiliate link. But in that book, she talks about um, you know, just the way you've got to present yourself and having a good posture, good tone, confident in the way you speak. And the way she talks about practicing that is to use this little interval timer now so she, she's actually recommended this particular timer so it's called gym boss it's just 
you know, it's, it's not very expensive. It's just this little interval timer here. And I actually went out and, and ordered it on eBay. So I'll put a link to that as well. Now, obviously I'm plugging something. I get, no, this, this is not sponsored at all. This is literally me just saying, this is actually really useful. I put it on a 30 minute timer uh, on vibrate, just put it under my scrubs. And then every 30 minutes during, during the day, I get reminded to, of something. Now that thing can be anything. Patsy Tremaine recommend, recommended, or the example was to you know, improve your posture, head up, speak confidently or something like that. But I reckon we can use this to do anything, learn anything. So the way I, I do it, I, you know, if, if there's something I wanna remember that day or learn that day and just really see it into my memory, I use that timer. So every day is a different learning point. And I'm thinking for the first part exam, this could be really useful. Maybe you just can't remember the five causes of this or the 10 causes of that or a particular framework. Why not every, you know, half, for the first half of the day, you learn one thing, for the second half of the day, you learn another thing. And just again, slow in incremental gains after a year of study, you will have trained so much knowledge just with this specific interval timer. So yeah, that's my that's my performance tip. That is such a great idea, Lars. And look, I think, you know, in, in the words of um, learning and faith and faith, um, sort of practicing what we preach, that's what I was trying to say, practicing what we preach, yeah. Let me let me get one of these timers. So wh where do I get one of these timers? Oh yeah, I'll 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 send it to you. Uh, it's it, it's literally on eBay, and okay. I just got the one that had a. I, I didn't want a noise, kind of being, you know, like an actual alarm. I just wanted the vibrate sound. It's got to be discreet. No one can know about this. I'm just going about my day to day life, and suddenly every half an hour, I increase, I improve my posture. <laughs> okay. No, no. So here, here's the challenge I want you to set for me. Okay. I want you I want you to get one of these timers for me. Yep. And I want you to tell me what I should be learning. And in the podcast, yeah. we, we're, we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see it work. All right. So okay. you're, you're gonna you're gonna give me you're gonna give me something hard to memorize. So every every uh, what's what what do you set your timer to? Every thirty minutes or every one every hour? thirty minutes? Yeah. Oh, you can do anything really, but I just put thirty minutes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you're gonna, so you're gonna just to clarify, you're getting me to buy you a timer and then tell you what to learn. It sounds like a lot of work for me. All right, yeah, you caught, look, you caught me out. I, I have uh, no time to, to, uh, to uh, go look for this time. So I was hoping that you could do that. But, <laughs> but the benefit of that is you get to tell me what I should be learning. So you can choose anything. Yeah. And then okay. what I'm going to do is I'm going to use that timer and I'm going to every, or geez, 30 minutes sounds like a lot, but. Uh, we can change that, it. You do, do you do that? Um, how many times a day? Oh, you just do it for your work day. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So you, so we'll set the timer and then I've got to learn something that's quite complex and long. Mm. Okay. We'll, we'll figure something out. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> one, of, one of your really long mnemonics, I think. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> I, I suspect that you'll be able to memorize it in a, in a couple oh, of seconds. I'll, I'll, I'll give you something hard. Yeah. Give me something hard. My, my look, my brain, my brain is getting, is, is aging. But yeah. I think these strategies are really, really useful. Like just thinking outside the box yeah. and thinking of just new and different ways to learn. And yeah. I think that's fantastic. And I think it just helps consolidate mm -hmm. the traditional way we learn mm -hmm. and helps consolidate the information that we already have and how yeah. we can actually present that uh, in an <laughs> eloquent manner. So I, I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited to get this, uh, to get this timer. Yeah, I gotta I got be honest, it's a bit of retail therapy. I was like, oh, I just wanted to get something in the mail as well. I'm just human. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to buy something. 
Suffer consumer. Oh. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's yeah. get started on uh, Venus admixture. So that's a question that I really like to ask uh, candidates. And I think we can just start off with the basic question, like what is Venus admixture? Yeah, so I, I found this concept quite fascinating because first of all, it's just this theoretical amount. It's just something that's very useful to communicate an unsatisfactory situation of shunt, I guess, or you know, com, uh, you know, of a shunt and VQ inequality in your system. But it gives you a theoretical amount, so it's a really useful thing. So it's the amount, the theoretical amount of mixed venous blood that would need to be added to the pulmonary, pulmonary and capillary blood in order to dilute the PA2, the PaO2 observed in a sample of systemic arterial blood. So think about that. You've got your end capillary. You're adding some mixed venous blood, the deoxygenated blood. And that is the reason why you've got this decline of your, palm, your pulmonary and capillary PO2 to your arterial PO2 you might get in an ABG. Mm. So venous admixture may not be equal to the actual amount of shunted blood, which may not have the same oxygen content as a mixed venous blood. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's why you get this difference. Yeah. And what are the causes of uh, venous admixture? Mm. So there's, there's two causes. And I found the first one. So first of all, there's true shunt and then there's BQ inequality. And now maybe when you first started learning the first part, physiology and respiratory physiology, it kind of just merged into the same thing. You know, you got shunt on one, one side, BQ abnormalities or inequalities on another level, you know, on another line, followed by dead space on the other side. But what, what this is saying is that there's true shunt, which is, you know, blood that's completely bypassing oxygenation through the lungs, and that can be physiological or pathological. And then there's VQ inequality. And these VQ, this VQ inequality adds a measure of, you know, this mixed venous uh, deoxygenated blood into the system. So just quickly, physiological, you can think of all the usual things that, you know, bronchial venous blood, blood draining from those Thebesian circulations to the left side of the heart, and then pathological stuff, you know, VSDs or any AV malformations um, or complete occlusions of, you know your ventil your your lung segments so that the so essentially the um uh, pulmonary capillaries are bypassing any ventilation at all. So that's easy to that's easy to remember. But then VQ inequality. This is literally all the poorly ventilated areas of the lung. There's this this you know inadequate or mismatching of ventilation perfusion, and that means that each of those alveoli with that pulmonary capillary contributes a you know, substandard amount of blood into the systemic circulation. And if you kind of take the averages or take the combination of all of that together, you can, you know, make this value make sense that, you know, all of that BQ inequality creates a bit of mixed venous blood equivalent. Yeah. So there you go. Add, add true, add the total true shunt, add the total amount of VQ inequality, make this measurement and boom, that's venous admixture. And, and I think um, what you've also mentioned is that the, VQs of the of the VQ units of the alveoli which have the VQ inequality, they're trending towards zero. So in other words, they're dominated by low VQ units mm -hmm. because the VQ of shunt is zero. So yes. what you expect is that uh, when you get VQ mismatch, it's the alveoli with the low VQs, which tend to contribute the most to venous admixture. Mm. And, and I think, and I just want to highlight the point where you talked about that venous admixture is, is a theoretical amount. So one of the things that uh, candidates um, incorrectly do, and which is what I did in my uh, viva as well, was that when you got asked what are the causes of hypoxemia, mm. 
after you mention shunt and VQ mismatch, mm. a lot of people would sometimes mention Venus admixture or vice versa. They would mention Venus admixture, but mm. they would not mention shunt and VQ mismatch. Yeah. And so the, the important thing to understand is that Venus admixture is a theoretical amount mm -hmm. and it encompasses what you describe are the true causes of hypoxemia, which are shunt and VQ inequality or VQ mismatch. Mm. So very so important you, to make that. So you wouldn't say, you wouldn't say in that answer, Venus admixture is a cause of hypoxemia because it's just theoretical. You'd have That's to say right. shunt and VQ mismatch. Correct. That's right. And then after that, when they ask you what is Venus admixture, you can describe that it encompasses both shunt and VQ mismatch. And what it does is it calculates through that formula, which we'll go through, mm. um, that as a total virtual shunt. So in other words, the Venus admixture shunt fraction is always more than the true front than the true uh, shunt fraction because it tries to encompass encompass VQ mismatch mm. as part of shunt. Yeah, yeah excellent. Yeah, and so and so there's a formula there and mm. how. Like, how do you describe the formula and how do you remember the formula? Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. I think it's, it's not easy to remember, but it is a shunt fraction. It's far easier to give this fraction than to calculate the exact amount. But anyway, so QS over QT. So that's Q flow or, you know, uh, flow of shunt of versus um, shunt, sorry, shunt blood flow over total blood flow yep, equals, yep. and think about this equation. And again, I'll, I'll put it in the story notes, C, CCO2 take away CAO2 over CCO2 take away C mixed venous O2. So the little C in that is pulmonary and capillary, and A is arterial and V or v, v is mixed venous. So, so for the audience, so that they know, we'll um, go through what CCO2 is, what CAO2 is, and what CVO2 is. Yeah, exactly. So first of all, all of these are content of oxygen. So yep. that means that you need to know your content equation, which essentially is your hemoglobin multiplied by Hoefner's constants, approximately 1.34 mils per grams of HB, uh, multiplied by the oxygen saturations. And then you add the dissolved component, which is your PO2 uh, multiplied by 0 0.003. So you, you can get your content for anything as long as you've got those values. Now, what's interesting is in this exam, you often get asked, how do you come up with these values? Like how did, does an experimenter actually find out what your saturations are, or what your PO2 is? And that's where it can be a bit tricky. And that's how you, know, you can apply this to real clinical situations. So where would you get your you know, CAO2 from? Well, you need your saturations from your peripheral arterial system. So that's easy, ABG, you can get your PO2, you can get your SATs and every, all the other values already in the equation. So ABG is how you get your CAO2 plus a little bit of maths. Mixed venous content, that's from a pulmonary artery catheter. So that's, you know, your mixed venous sample is well within your heart, it's in, within your right ventricle space. And that's where you can sample to get, in, to get your mixed venous, mixed venous um, PO2s and your saturations. Now the content, so, oh, sorry, the pulmonary and capillary content is a bit tricky because it's very hard and potentially dangerous to be pushing that pulmonary artery catheter much further. So to actually get your, uh, pulmonary and capillary content, you just need to obtain it from the ideal alveolar PaO2 from the alveolar gas equation. So if you use your alveolar gas equation, which is, you know, your P alveolar O2 is equal to barometric pressure minus um, humidified oxygen, so 760 take away 47, multiplied by your FiO2 minus PaCO2 over respiratory quotient. That's 
approximate what, what approximates what your p alveolar O2 is going to be, and that way you can calculate the rest of this equation. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And um, the look the way that I also memorize it, or the way that I sort of try to make it easy for me is that um, as you described, the end capillary content is always going to have the most content. The second most content is going to be your arterial, mm. and the third most is going to be your mixed venous. Mm. So knowing that you're always going to have the the, the higher content on the left hand side. So just as a just so that you know that there's one equation on top, one equation on the bottom. On the left hand side is always going to be your end capillary content, mm. and on the right hand side, the top one is going to be your arterial content, and then the bottom one is going to be your mixed venous content. And if you know that. If you know that order of that formula, what I do is I actually use that formula to actually create the definition. So, mm. so what I do is I reverse engineer in terms of the way that I think about it. So I work backwards. So it's the so if you think about it from the bottom line, mm. I go it's the mixed venous content that mm. needs to be added to end capillary content to see the observed difference of end capillary minus arterial content. Now, quite interestingly, I think you've uh, sort of noted this in, in, in your notes, is that if you actually look at the definition of what venous admixture is, they don't just look at the difference between content between end capillary and arterial. They actually say it's the observed difference in the partial pressure of end capillary minus uh, arterial partial pressure. But I think that from what you've described from the oxygen content equation, they're all related. So the partial pressure of oxygen in the end capillary and the partial pressure of uh, oxygen in the arterial will always, it's always going to influence ultimately the content of blood there. Hmm. Excellent. I really like that. It's simple things that you get tripped up on. You know, do you put the pulmonary and capillary first or the arterial first? Yes. And just knowing that pulmonary and capillary is always the highest one Correct. and you can't have a negative ratio. Have a negative number. That's that, right. That, that's a really useful. Tool. I'm gonna, I don't remember that. that that's useful. <laughs> okay, so yeah. So me, um, yeah. So I think so. The next so the next question I've got for you is, um, what are the consequences of venous admixture? Yeah. So essentially, if you have a lot of, it, it will contribute to hypoxemia. If you have too much shunt or too much VQ inequality, this will contribute to to the problem of having hypoxemia. But also that you know. If you take your end capillary blood, it's very, it's reasonably high on the, uh, it's, yeah, it's reasonably high on that oxygen hemoglobin dissociation curve. And there's that a really long, flatter portion as your PO2 rises. So if you imagine giving 100% oxygen to someone, your PO2 is going to be really quite high. But if you have this venous admixture, it does fall back to a much lower PO2 than, uh, you know, PO2 of 500 or 600. So it does fall back, but still the oxygen content is still okay. So the, just the way that the body's been, you know, hemoglobin has been designed, it allows for this, you know, amount of venous admixture without too much consequence. But if it does, if you have too much more shunt, then you start to get to the steep portion of the hemoglobin oxygen, oxygen dissociation curve, and suddenly your content can be really affected. Um, yeah, but yeah, but, so that, that's probably the main thing, I think, with oxygen. What, what, what do you reckon? I think that's really good. And then the interesting part about this is how that sort of changes with uh, FiO2, because that's what we try, that's what we try to do yeah, when someone, someone is hypoxemic. We first thing we try to do is we increase the inspired oxygen concentration and then see what the effect is. 
And that can often give you a clue. So what is the effect of uh, increasing FiO2 with patients with varying amounts of uh, venous admixture? Yeah, that's such a good question. And so in nuns, they've got this diagram. It's called the ISO shunt diagram. And interestingly, it's, you know, it's present in nuns, but not in West. So it, it, feel, it felt like a really advanced thing to be talking about this. And it was interesting that, so they've got the shunt lines, which have a, you know, kind of wide lines that increase as you increase oxygenation. But the more shunt that you get, the less your PO2 will actually increase, regardless of what oxygenation you provide. So for example, if you have 5%, uh, shunt fraction, then you, you know giving extra FiO2 will still increase your PaO2. But as you get down to 20, 25, 30, and definitely 50% shunt, no matter how much you increase the FiO2, your PaO2, your arterial PaO2, will still remain low. Now that's interesting enough because you've got these beautiful shunt lines that very, very well describe and show increasing FiO2 has very little benefit for high levels of shunt. But then this is how they apparently in ICU. So let's say you had a patient in ICU and you wanted to figure out how much shunt that this patient had. You wanted to make, use it for some diagnostics or to see how unwell they, they were. You could take, you could calculate the shunt fraction at different FiO2s and you could draw a line on a graph. After you drew that line, you would then know how much shunt this patient had and then day-to-day -day if they were improving or not. So a bit of a you know, clinical aspect to this otherwise pretty academic topic. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And, um, and I think you described that there were bands there mm. where the bands represented uh, a range of hemoglobins and CO2. Yes, and so, right. and so And so what it's inherently saying is that uh, they all contribute to, so CO2 contributes to the alveolar gas equation and hemoglobin uh, contributes to uh, the content equation. So in, in some ways, the, having, those having those variations actually have some effect on uh, shunt, which is often the reason why when someone's who has a significant amount of shunt, if you do want to assist them in terms of improving oxygen content or oxygen delivery, um, not only do you increase the FiO2, but you can think of other things such as ensuring that they've got adequate ventilation, which is um, will be reflected by a reduction in your CO2, and then also making sure that they're, they've got adequate hemoglobin as well. Mm. Um, now, now, what's really interesting is that, uh, so if you've got a VQ mismatch calculated as the venous admixture, what happens then if you increase the FiO2 with VQ scatter? Well, say that, say that so, again. so because venous admixture encompasses both uh, shunt and VQ mismatch. Theoretically, what happens is what happens if that what happens if venous admixture was only calculated from VQ mismatch? How does FiO2 or what would you see the 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 um the shark diagram to look like if it was just from VQ mismatch with increasing Ooh, if, FiO2? If it's just VQ mismatch, you would yeah. get a better response to FiO2. Yeah. 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 That's right. Because you actually have ventilated, they're just poorly ventilated, but there's still ventilation there. So giving more oxygen will improve the situation for that particular capillary. Whereas shunt, you know, the, 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 blood, the blood vessel is completely bypassing ventilation. So no matter how much FiO2 is in an alveolar somewhere else, it's not gonna help that poor vessel oxygen. Yeah, and I think that's, that can help you clinically mm. because if you have someone who's hypoxemic and you're increasing the FiO2, and you don't see their saturations increasing, more than likely, 
the cause of their hypoxemia is going to be shunt. Mm. And so then after that, you got to think about the differentials of shunt mm. and how you can uh, improve that uh, through other measures. So often the most common one in anesthesia would be uh, collapse mm -hmm. and whether you can do some recruitment, me recruitment method, uh, methods uh, to recruit the, the collapse lung. Mm. Conversely, if you actually see the saturations uh, increase with increasing FR2, then the most likely cause of your hypoxemia is going to be VQ mismatch. And as you, as you described, um, when you've got VQ mismatch, you can actually correct the partial pressure of oxygen with higher amounts of FiO2. Yeah. And then one of the interesting things is that often you'll get asked about PaCO, PaCO2 and why is it, you know, does PaCO2 change? You know, you've got these poorly ventilated perfuse segments. Why doesn't the arterial CO2 content uh, increase as well? Because you're not exhaling enough. And that's, that's an interesting concept because on what, you know, oxygen seems to be affected, but CO2 doesn't seem to be affected in an awake patient. And so, yeah, your chemoreceptors are so sensitive to this, you know, to, to CO2 that as soon as you get a rise, a small rise in CO2, you just end up ventilating a bit more and then you return back to normal. So there's a lot of really good mechanisms that the body has to just sort that kind of stuff out. Yeah. And also know that uh, with the tight control with the chemoreceptors, CO2 is also 20 times more soluble as well as oxygen. So um, it certainly has a lot of things in its favor to allow the, the excretion of CO2 through the lungs. So I think that's pretty much uh, everything we need to cover for venous admixture. Really great question to get lots of good graphs to draw, lots of interesting concepts and you know, formulas. Very, very examinable, great one, to, great one to talk about because it's so practical as well. So I think, uh, should we probably wrap it up there? Yep, fantastic. Great, great work, Lar. I can't look forward to my, uh, to my timer. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> very, can, we very make sure we, uh, can we make sure we express post it, please? Uh... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I need you to learn. I, sh I should really try to make this something where I want to learn something that I don't understand. So I tell you to learn it, and then you learn <laughs> it, and then you can learn it. <laughs> Tell me more about quantum physics. Well, yeah. <laughs> what have you heard about string theory recently? <laughs> oh my goodness, well, you better set that timer to every five minutes then. Hey? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, allow me to get some sleep, all right? Because that, that's the other performance tip. Uh, make sure you get enough sleep. <laughs> that's right. I can honestly say that when, I, when it comes to exams, I get eight hours minimum. I, I, I really, really sleep a lot. I think my brain is just so exhausted <laughs> that I, I can't help it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm a good sleeper. Wow, right. I, I, struggled, I struggled to get eight. That's a luxury. Uh, yeah, I'm, I was very I was very pleased with that effort. <laughs> yeah. And even, and even now you sleep eight hours? Uh, now that there's lockdown, yeah, easily. <laughs> I mean, seven to eight. Before, before lockdown, I was trying to I was trying to do a lot of, I was trying to pack a lot into my day. So probably not, probably more six to seven hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, reckon, I reckon that's optimal. Six six hours, I think is optimal. Really? Uh, four, four, four would be super efficient. Eight, yeah. eight, eight's a luxury. Eight's a holiday. Eight's a holiday. It looks like you're on an internal holiday at the moment. Look, lockdown, I mean, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> so much time. All anyway, right, let's better wrap it up. We've got another episode to take, so. Yeah, exactly, okay, good. So. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening and watching to Anesthesia Coffee Break. Really appreciate all your support. And we, yeah, we just hope that you can continue with, on this journey with us, support us on the Patreon. We'll put the link down below. And you know that all of that will be supporting a very, very good cause. So see you guys next time. Bye-bye.